Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is John Cook, and I am the pastor of Care and Counseling here. If you are near, new here to the Mount, I really want to welcome you. If you are watching online, I want to thank you for joining us, and I'm going to ask that you would hit up your online hosts. Any questions that you have, any prayer requests, anything like that, let us know, because we want to engage with you. Now this week, we got to celebrate two things. We get to do this every year. First, we get to celebrate the birthday of the Marine Corps. <laughs> in which we get to hear about for the next two weeks, but that's okay. In the famous words of Colonel Jessup, I want you on the wall, I need you on the wall, okay? And I'm serious about that. But also, on November 11th, every year, we celebrate, and that day, and I don't know if you guys know the history of it, but it's Armistice Day from World War II, when they cease fires the 11th month, the 11th day, and the 11th hour. And we call that Veterans Day. And I know many of you went into the military with the idea, I'm gonna get some training, I'm gonna get the GI Bill, and then I'm gonna go into my life. But the reality is, by accepting that and pledging your name and your character on your honor, your first role was to provide protection and care for this country. And so I'm gonna ask that if you are a veteran, that you would rise. Come on, don't be bashful. Don't be bashful. And you stay standing. You stay home. Don't you sit down. We equally realize that for all of your sacrifice, there's somebody that has been beside you during this. It is a spouse, it is a significant other, it is children. If that is you, if you are a child or a spouse of a veteran, I'm gonna ask that you would stand as well. Come on. Wow. Wow. Father God, I come to you and I thank you so much for the willingness for each member here that is that is stood to serve others above themselves lord we know that war is ugly we know that it is goes against everything that you are but there are times where you allow the government to be your hand of deliverance and god i pray that we would always be a people that would be seeking your face and seeking your will. And if you use us as a hammer, so let it be. But Father, may we do it with integrity and character. God, thank you for the service. Thank you for the families. Thank you for everybody that has stood up and said, I'll go, I'll do it. In the hopes that this time, their son or their daughter or their child will not have to go in the future. God bless these people as only you can, and I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Please have a seat. Wow. 
Hey, just to let you know, last week I talked a little bit about how my son is a sneakerhead, and I told you that he and I wear the same shoes. Bam, I stole a pair of his shoes today. They're kind of ugly, aren't they? Yeah. So, hey, we're going to continue our series, Light Effect, and we are in 1 John chapter 3, and so I'm going to ask that you all would open up your Bibles, open up your apps. You can follow along on the Mount Ararat app also. It'll have these points in here. It'll have the scripture verses, everything that we need. We're going to be between 1 John and actually the Gospel of John. And just to remind you all, because I know that all of us have slept, 1 John is all about, first, I believe it's a pastoral letter. And what I mean by that is that he is trying to encourage his people because the reality is that they are torn between the world and Jesus. And he keeps on reminding us over and over and over again about walking in the light and being in the light, which is very, very, very appropriate to how John wrote his gospel, all right? But there really is a tension between being in Jesus and being in the world. Ultimately, what chapter three is all about is gonna be about what is it to be a child of God? What is it to be born and to be a child of God? Now, let me ask you a question. I'm not asking this to guilt you or anything like that, all right? How many of you struggle in your faith? And what I mean by that is every once in a while you think, what's, what's the big deal? I don't understand it. What's the benefit of being in Jesus Christ? Now, I will tell you, when I was coming to faith in 1995, I started the process in 1989. And I remember one of the things that really held me back from turning my life really over to Jesus. Now, this is, this is really pathetic, okay? But please keep in mind, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic. The first thought that went through my mind is if I become a follower of Jesus, can I still drink beer? Now, I will tell you, the scripture says, it never tells us we cannot drink. It never says that we cannot have alcohol. But my question is, what is the value of it, okay? What's the benefit of it? And if that's your first thought that's preventing you from coming to Jesus, you and I need to have a talk, okay? Yeah. There's certain things that should be red flags that I just did not see. But that held me back because there was a part of me that wanted to still stay in the world. And it wasn't until about three years later when everything collapsed in my life when I was ready to, okay, all right, living in the world is destroying me. I can't help but think of John's gospel, John chapter 3, and this is one of my favorite passages, and it's not John 3.16, and I've talked to you guys about that before, and I told you how I love John 17 and 18, that Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but to save us, but John kind of summarizes this whole thing of John 3.16 about God loving us so much that he came, that he saved us. He's not looking to condemn us. And he summarizes it this way in verse uh, 19. He says, this is the verdict. 
Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because of their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. Does that resonate with anybody? But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now, I will tell you, I don't like living in the darkness. And I'm not talking about hiding away in a cave where there's no light. But there are times, and maybe this resonates with you, I like to live in the shadows. I have liked to live in the shadows. Because when I'm in the light, then everything that I do is revealed. My father told me once, I think I was about 10 years old, and I kept on hearing it over and over and over and over and over again. He said, John, the best way for people not to find out about you, first, don't do it. Second of all, tell them. Tell them. Oh. So in other words, when I goon things up, you're telling me to step forward and say, hey, listen, I did this. To step into the light. Now, I don't know where you are spiritually today, but I need for you to ponder this question with yourself, and I'm going to ask you to be honest with you, and John is going to ask us to be honest with ourselves. Do I enjoy walking in the light? Am I willing to walk in the light, or am I content living in the shadows? Because if we're content living in the shadows, we are going to have one foot in the world and one foot with Jesus. Our very own Pastor Todd spoke about this a number of months ago. He said, if we are only willing to give God our leftovers, why should we expect the best from God? Yeah, that one kind of went, oof, to me too. That one kind of locked in. If I am only going to give God my leftovers, how dare I expect God's very best? I'm fooling myself when I do that. Now, as we make the transition into 1 John, I understand that John is dealing with also, he's got people that have been walking away from the church. He is fighting these people. He'll actually call them, in the latter part of chapter 2, antichrists. They're denying the deity. They're denying the humanity and the deity of Jesus Christ. And they are questioning and they are wrestling with, well, what's the big deal? My big deal came in 1995 and I was sitting in a Presbyterian church. Don't tell anybody this. <laughs> and it was in downtown Norfolk and it was, it's absolutely a beautiful church. It was built in the late 1700s and it has stained glass everywhere. It's really beautiful, massive pipe organ, massive pipe organ. And up above, in the center, above the pipe organ, there was a stained glass artwork of the resurrection Jesus. Now, I will tell you, up until that moment, I didn't understand what the resurrection really meant. And I'm looking at that stained glass They're passing the elements to take the Lord's Supper, and I've got them in my hand, and all of a sudden it dawns on me. There is no death. 
death has been swallowed up in life in Jesus Christ. Now, I will tell you, that was a transformational moment for me. And again, where are you in this? If you were just kind of, well, Jesus is nice, he's a good teacher. No, we have to recognize he is either exactly who he says he is, or he's a bold-faced liar. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he lived a sinless life, that he died for our sins. And on the third day after being buried, he rose to newness of life. And because of that, we have newness of life in him. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are saved by grace through faith. We don't earn our salvation. There is nothing that I can bring before a holy God that deserves my salvation. I come to him, we come to him broken, with nothing in our hands, with nothing we can do, and simply put ourselves on the altar and say, God, help me. God, I am a sinner in need of a savior. John is trying to make this very, very clear to us that Jesus has lived and he, as a pastor, he is encouraging us to continue to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. So if you're with me, 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 2, excuse me, starting in uh, uh, verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That's good stuff right there. But the reality is we have to walk in the light. And here's another reality that John is going to say, and this is a hard one. And again, I'm not telling this to beat you up. It's just, it is. John says you have a choice. You are either a son of God, I'm either walking in the light, or I am a son of the devil. And I choose to live in the shadows and live in the darkness. There is no in-between. Now, in my worldly thinking, I thought I could balance the two of those. That I could still believe in Jesus, but go on and do the things that I want to do because I'm really good at justifying the things that I want to do. Does anybody else here know how to justify things? Am I the only one? Yeah, I see. No, one hand, two hands. Thank you. Honest people, the rest of y'all are liars, okay? <laughs> On hand, online, how many? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, there's two. Okay, yeah, so, no. I'm either a son of God, I'm either a child of God, or I'm a child of the devil. That kind of stings. There's no in-between. And so what I wanna do here is I wanna take the very words that John used and help us understand where this goes. I'm gonna leave you with three points and we're gonna get out of here, okay? All right. 
John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, he says this, Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he, speaking of Jesus, is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Again, there's no in-between. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go in sinning. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Now, he's going to use a negative illustration here, all right? Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. I think that's pretty clear. There's one or the other. And if I'm a child of God, I am going to do what's right and I'm gonna do what's righteous by the example of what Jesus has given me. Now, this is the reality. There's some of the things that Jesus talks about. They're hard things to listen to. And we think that Jesus is this great killjoy, that we cannot have any fun, and that we're going to live in this itty-bitty box. I will tell you, and I would suggest that, yes, we live in a box, that God puts us in a box. But I will tell you this, that the box is way, 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 way bigger than what we think it is. The reality is, if I live within the teachings and I live within what Jesus is teaching me and telling me and how the Spirit is prompting me, I don't have to worry about going outside of the box or outside of the boundaries because when I go outside of the boundaries, there are natural consequences that come with that. Just as living with inside the framework of Jesus, there are natural consequences that come with that. And I would say the greatest of those, and you all have heard me say this a million times already, but I believe that the greatest things by living within Jesus, the natural consequence of living in Jesus is a sense of peace within the very core of who I am. My heart is at rest, even in the midst of chaos. So if your life is filled with chaos right now, I'm going to ask you, are you outside of the boundaries or are you inside the boundaries? I would venture to say that if your life is chaotic, if there are constant things that keep going wrong time after time after time, I'm going to ask you to examine yourself and ask one, am I a child of God or am I a child of the devil? Am I outside the boundaries or am I inside the boundaries? Now, John's going to explain to us what it is and how to go about being a child of God. All right, And these are core principles. And he's going to summarize it at the end of chapter 3. And he's going to say this. And this is his command. This is Jesus' command. And John is summarizing all of chapter 3. Comparing between a child of God and a child of the devil. Here's, here's the punchline. You ready? And this is command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded it. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Okay, so these are the three points. You ready? First one, 
First thing that John tells us to do to ensure that we are children of the light, that we are children of God, is to believe. Now, I will tell you, each one of these three points, they are all action steps. There's nothing passive in it. Jesus calls us to do. And be honest with you, when I'm saved, when I've accepted God's grace through faith, there is a change that moves me to actions. The brother of Jesus, James, says that faith with no works is dead. I can't even say I believe in Jesus and do nothing about it and produce absolutely no fruit in Jesus. And that makes me equal to this. You ready? Demons. James reminds us that even the demons believe in Jesus. They know who Jesus is, but they are unwilling to live within the boundaries that he has given us. And what they want to do is to drag us outside of the boundaries so that, they, so that we can be killed and be just as miserable as they are. So this is the first thing that Jesus, the, the instruction that John gives us is that we need to believe in Jesus. In the Gospel of John, Jesus was asked the question, what works must we do to please God? And Jesus' answer was this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. So my first real question for you is, one, do you believe who Jesus is? Do you believe that he is the son of God? Do you believe that he lived, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again? Do you believe that he is the savior of your life? If you answer affirmative on that, then what are the steps that you need to go and start doing? The second thing that John talks about, the second thing that helps motivate us and keep us living within that boundary of Jesus is to love. So we need to believe first and we need to love. Again, these are action verbs. They are not passive. John says, a new command. This is Jesus, the night that he's betrayed. This is in John uh, chapter 13, the gospel of John chapter 13. Jesus establishes a brand new command. And if you've been around for any time, you've heard this. John 13, he says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How did Jesus love? Completely. Holy. How did Jesus and the Father, how do Jesus and the Father love one another? Completely. Love is an action verb. It takes intentionality. John writes in 1 John 3, 16 and 18, this is how we know what love is. 
He's even going to define it for us. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. With action and truth. There's a working definition that I use for love when I meet with couples. First, I'm the guy that goes to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. I even use it in weddings. Now, I will tell you, that's taken completely out of context. But it drives home the point that love requires action. The working definition when I'm counseling with couples comes from a gentleman by the name of Everett Worthington. And he says this, love is the willingness to value and to avoid devaluing others that comes from a caring other focused heart. I'll say it again. Love is the willingness to value. So in my actions, am I bringing value to the people that are in my sphere of influence? Or am I devaluing them? And the motivation that drives me to love is a caring, other-focused heart. When I am in Jesus, when I understand what I have been delivered from, it is so much easier to look at others in a whole new light. When I begin to see others as people who are made in the image of God, who have sinned in their life, who have been sinned against, and have baggage just as I have baggage, all of a sudden it is so much easier to love people. And the word, if you take anything out of this, what love is, it's all about being intentional. Jesus' love was absolutely intentional in every interaction he had. Even in the tough ones, the intention was to bring repentance so that they would find freedom, so that they would find life. Third part on this that Jesus or that John says is that we need to live. We need to believe in the Son of God. We need to love as the Son of God did. And we need to live. First John 3:19. John says, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friend, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. When I am living the life that Jesus is asking me to do, when we are living the life that Jesus illustrates for us, I have peace. And that calmness in my heart reminds me of that. When I am living for myself, there is this sense of uneasiness 
there is a sense of self-condemnation. And so I need to listen to my heart. Now, I will tell you this. I believe that it is the Holy Spirit that keeps on poking at our heart when we are living outside of the boundaries that God has set for us. I believe that it is the Holy Spirit that is in the believer that says, dude, dude, what are you doing? You ever had that? Again, I'm really good at justifying stuff and I'll just kind of slide out here and I'll do my little thing and all of a sudden there's that, oof. Now, I've got an option. I can go, oof, oh well. Or I can live like Jesus wants me to. I'm wrong here, God. I'm wrong. See, I don't want to live in the shadows anymore. I want to live in light. I've spent enough of my time. You have spent enough of your time living in the shadows. I know that there's some of you online that are living in the shadows right now. I know that there's some of you right here that are living in the shadows. And you're amazed because you say, I do believe. But I'm not doing anything about it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to round this thing out. We're going to land this plane. It's going to maybe a little bit of a rough landing today, okay? But every once in a while, I think we need to have those. So my question for you to ponder is this. So why are you here today? What were you hoping to get from being with us this morning? What were you hoping to get from Jesus today? A lot of times we come to Jesus with the idea that we're going to get stuff. Or are you here because you're convicted, because you want to live with Jesus and in Jesus? Some of us are here, again, we're looking for stuff. But are you looking for something that's really going to last? Because what Jesus is going to give us above everything else is he's going to give us peace in this life. Yes, there is eternal life to come. But there is this tension between the right now and the not yet. I want to live at peace here. I want you to live at peace here. I want you, I guess the new hashtag is living my best life. Yeah. I want you to live your best life now. Because when eternity comes, I'm just hoping there's a baseball field there. But if not, somehow or another, I think it's going to be just fine. Jesus was asked a really hard question. This is after he fed the 5,000. And he and his disciples went across the lake. Jesus even walked on the water. And they come to the other side of the lake, and the next day a bunch of people came to him. And Jesus told him, and this is a hard one to hear. He says, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, not because you know I am the Messiah, not because you know that I am the Son of God, 
See, that's what the signs were. The signs were to point towards Jesus and to say, hey, listen, this is, this is who Jesus is. Now they came to him as Jesus said, I perform, you didn't come because of the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. See, they participated in that, where Jesus did that miracle, where all of a sudden he fed 5,000 people out of nothing, okay, out of a lunch. He fed 5,000 people, and they're like, man, we follow him, we're gonna get stuff. And Jesus knows their heart. And he says, no, it's not the stuff. If you're looking for stuff, the stuff is me. So where are you today? Do you have one foot with Jesus and one foot in the world? Or are you living in the shadows? And some of us, we're living in the light. If you're living in the light, live in the light. You know the peace that I'm talking about. There's no regrets. Man, I can go around life with no regrets. Wow, that's pretty cool. But I know this. Some of you think that you are sons of God or daughters of God, but yet you are still living in the world. And so today, I'm asking you to make a decision. And it's really not even me. I believe it's God asking you to make a decision. Do you want more? Or are you content? Are you content in chaos? Oh, please say no. Folks online, are you content with chaos? Are you ready to begin to really believe, to really love? And are you ready to really live? We all have a next step off of this message. In just a moment, the prayer team is gonna be up here. There's some of you that just simply need prayer. You've been straddling. There's some of you that have been living in the shadows and dabbling with Jesus. And there's some of you that have never accepted, really truly accepted Jesus as Lord. And so those people, if that's you today, I'm asking you to really lean in on this. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he lived a sinless life? Do you believe that he was nailed to a cross and though he was sinless, he bore all of our sins, yours and mine. He died as a sacrifice for those sins. He was buried in the grave. Oh, but Sunday came, three days later, rose from the dead and he is was is and always will be victorious and because of that you can have eternal life real life 
If that's you today, I'm going to ask that you would pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come before you. Nothing in hand. I am a sinful man. I am a sinful woman. I believe that you are who you say you are. And I can see it from the signs that you have performed. And right now, God, I am asking that you would take me from death to life. That you would be my Savior. And that you would enter me and give me life. And I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Was that you today? I'm going to make it really simple for you. This prayer team's going to be up here. I'm going to be up here. I'll be right here in just a moment. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I am asking you to be brave. And I'm asking you to be bold. And I'm asking you to take action. And I'm going to ask you to come and talk to me. Because I want to help you move from darkness to light. Now, I will tell you, if you prayed that prayer, you have moved from darkness to light. But I want to ensure that you stay in the light as Jesus is in the light and that you walk in the light. And that is what we do. As Christians, we want to help you walk in the light. I want to put God's word in your hand. I want you to have life. If you are online and you just prayed that prayer, there's gonna be an icon there. I'm asking you to click on this that you are raising your hand for the first time. We will get in touch with you. We will get God's word into your hand so that you can begin to believe at a much deeper level, love at a much deeper level, and live at a level you never thought possible. What is your next step today, church? We've all got them. Don't wait for tomorrow. Do it today. Whatever your next step is, do it today. Andy, lead us out. Let's worship God. If you need prayer, if you've come to Jesus, you've got to let us know. Come on.